And that jarring hodgepodge of music tells you that you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, where three lifelong Doctor Who fans, and I'll introduce them to you shortly, discuss, enthuse, and occasionally criticise a wealth of products related to our favourite show. Now, that might be televised adventures, both classic and recent. It could be spin-off novels, books about the show, biographies, magazines, DVD releases, basically anything that gives us the excuse to talk about Doctor Who. And each episode, we'll look at just three of those things at a time, hence the title. Follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod. That's three as a number, Power of Three Pod. And we hope to have a Facebook page set up in the near future where you'll be able to leave comments, suggestions, and of course, listen to episodes of this podcast. So before we go on, and before I tell you what we're going to be talking about in this inaugural episode, let me introduce you to my two co-conspirators. First of all, David Steele. Hello, I'm David Steele. I've been a Doctor Who fan for a very long time, basically since Doctor Who fell off the satellite dish and turned into Tristan Farnan. My favourite doctors are probably William Hartnell, John Pertwee and Sylvester McCoy. Excellent. And we also have Kenny Smith. Hello, everybody. I'm Kenny. I'm 45, or as I prefer to say, 29 in a hell of a lot of months. I've been a Doctor Who fan since 1978. My favourite doctors are Splendid Chap, all of them. And also... I write about Big Finish. I do Vortex Magazine and the Big Finish Companion. Excellent. So we have some credibility in this podcast. Whereas <laughs> Incredibility, Tom. Incredibility. Well, whereas I, I'm Tom Harris, um, and I have been a fan of the show since John Pertwee's very first adventure in 1970. But my earliest memory, believe it or not, and I hope this will make you jealous, is of the final battle at the end of Evil of the Daleks. Oh. Um, so that's how back my memory goes, because I am, of course, very, very old. Yeah, we can smell we can smell you from here, Tom. Well, indeed. So we are, we're going to talk about three things, because we're the power, the, the power of three. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the recently released Blu-ray box set of season 10 from the classic series, which was, uh, uh, of course, John Pertwee in the in the leading role. Now, see, before we go on to talk about this uh, rather fetching box set, can I can I just ask the pair of you, because you're young whippersnappers and you know that this. Sort of <laughs> I love thing. you, Tom. How can you possibly get an HD version of a show that was filmed in a studio on video? Well, this is the, the call, technical scaling, don't they? Yeah. Um, well, it's just you remember Spare from Space was released in, in Blu ray years ago yes. because it was filmed on film at the time because of BBC yes. Strike, and it was just a, a, a lucky happenstance that we could get a Blu ray version of it. And it does look tremendous. It does. It's the, the original TV film TV. elements exist, which makes it a lot easier to upscale because that way they can scan them through and pull up the, the best possible image quality. But unfortunately, because a lot of the other stuff from the time was made on video, it does have a false HD to it. They're upscaling it and upgrading it, as they've said, as far as they can. But it's not true HD, but it still looks yeah. fantastic. I mean, I, th I think it's, it's, it's similar work to, what I suppose, what they did in the DVDs, isn't it? They're clearing out, sort of, they're clearing up the sound. They'll be doing their best to sort of limit any sort of picture noise and all that sort of that sort of thing. I would imagine. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, I it's it's one of the things that's, it's made me a little bit hesitant about getting really into to buying all the Blu-ray sets, just because you know you you just sort of wonder how good is the picture quality going to actually be. That so my my sort of main sort of um the main selling point for me for the the Blu-ray box sets has been the bonus features. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to get them as well because yeah. I, I I started a you know we all go through this, don't we? As as who fans, we all decide to watch every single episode from the very beginning yeah. at some point in our yes. later lives. Yeah. And I started mine in January 2017, so I I I wasn't watching them particularly regularly, but it just so happens that fairly recently I finished watching season ten on on the standard DVD release. Right, um, and then just after that, they bring it out in Blu-ray. So I got the chance to get a couple of extras that I didn't get access to because I had the original Three Doctors DVD, not the special edition. Right. So okay. the, the making of documentary I now have because I bought the Blu-ray sure. box set. What did, did we you think? Get the version of the Three Doctors that came with the toy Bessie. That's the one I got. Yeah, that's the one I've got. Oh but come think... on! Don't make me jealous. I'm but the only one now that's Bessie. Did they? Did they put three doctors in one of the what were they called revisited revisitations? Yeah, revisitation sets. Yeah, yeah, I bought all of them as well. I think now, yeah, the Bessie be like about somewhere. I don't have a toy Bessie. I feel quite sad now. This is the standard version you got. Obviously, um, some of us are lucky enough but to get when, the deluxe versions. Was it? I think it was. Was it two thousand and three? They released it. I think it was around the time. Yeah, of the there, 40th, was, yeah. yeah there was quite a lot of that stuff went on because it had that slightly, you know. If you pardon the pun, sort of doctored version of the logo with the you know the four O instead of the H O, and um and very very quickly once that sold out because I was I was still working at HMV at that point obviously and very quickly the, the fancy version with Bessie sold out and the standard one not in the, the sort of the cardboard box with the car that that sort of came in came into stock fairly soon after. But there's something the Blu-ray doesn't have. Yeah. BBC That's, fail. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have a Bessie. I have to say, this is, this is probably the point when I say that I haven't bought the season 10 box set myself yet. So I'll have to right. ask you. Well, it's, it's just, it's it's it's, it's a combination of, as it, like we were saying about, um, you know, is there enough special features on it? I mean, I'm really looking forward to the season 20 box set because because of what they're doing with that, like longer cuts of every episode, a version of Trial of the Time Lord without the, without the trial scenes. So, I'm uh, sorry, of Terror of the Vervoids without the trial scenes. Um, a version of Trial of the Time Lord with no trial scenes. That, that would just been, make it... Of a time lord, <laughs> a time lord. Um, but the the S ten, there wasn't. I mean, there wasn't enough really to convince me to sort of to to take the leap just yet. But um, so I can ask Worst you. Worst we fan ever. I know, and I love them dearly. It's terrible, but it's um. I mean, it's I, I, you know, if I found fifty quid in the street, it'd be the first thing I'd buy. You know. Well, um, let's talk about the box set itself yeah. and what's actually on it. I mean, I, I, just to try to make you feel, since you guys have done a one-upmanship on me over the model of Bessie, <laughs> I will I will now briefly remind you that every single one of these episodes I saw when they were originally broadcast. Is that necessarily uh, something to boast about? I was oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember playing with my big brother and my wee sister, reenacting the scene where the Omega's, uh, you know, antimatter blob chases Joe <laughs> over the over Bessie. Excellent. Okay. So I, 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 in that particular Were you case, Joe? Was, I was playing the blob. <laughs> I was playing the blob and my sister was Joe, my big brother was the doctor. It was all very good fun. Anyway, so on this 10th anniversary season, we have, of course, the three doctors, followed by Carnival of Monsters, then Spearhead from, sorry, Spearhead from Space, call it, uh, 
frontier in space. Which which I was born half, halfway through transmission of. Front, frontier oh, in space. Is, yeah, that's my right. birth, birth story, as it were. Uh, I have to check what my worst story is, actually. Um, I think it was Marco Polo, but I'll have to double-check that. Hang on, hang um, on. You keep talking. I've got the book here. Oh, right, OK. What's yours then, Ken? I think you've told me this before. I was born on June the 19th, 1974, 11 days after Tom became the doctor. There we go. That's not oh, that's bad. That's pretty good. It's quite exciting. What's your date of birth, Tom? 20th of February, 64. 20th of February, 1960. Yeah, it must be Marco. Yeah, you could probably nail it down to the actual episode title, couldn't you? Okay, well, you were, in 1965, on your first birthday, the Zarbi, the second episode of The Web Planet, was shown. Yeah, saw that. What about my birthday? Yeah, what was his birth episode? Um, ba -ba -bum. Oh, I've got picked up the wrong book. Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll come back to that later. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a cliffhanger. That's an anticlimax. Hang on. Let's, let's have <laughs> Sounds a like at... life. Right. So, as I was saying, we've yes. got three doctors, we cannibal really of monsters, frontier in space, planet of the Daleks, and the Green Death. And there isn't one among them that's not a classic. I mean, they are all yeah. remarkable and, and I would say quite iconic episodes, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not too sure about frontier in space. It's never been my favourite. I find it a wee bit slow in the middle. I think I watched it. Um, watched it quite recently. I think it's it's a little more lively than Planet of the Daleks. Planet of the Daleks just drags for me. Um, the problem in those days was they had so many decisions to make six episodes when it really yeah. could have done with four. But it, of course, it, and it wasn't in those days. It wasn't designed to be watched all in one go. Designed absolutely you know, twenty five yeah, minutes at tea time. Yeah, that's the fundamental. Yeah. So um, let's look at um, the three doctors first. Right. Um, and this is, of course, the first time they decided to do uh, something that happens virtually all the time now. They actually brought back previous actors of the role and put them in the same story. Does it work? I think so. I think Patrick Troughton is absolutely, from the moment he first appears, he's absolutely on fire and he's absolutely loving it. Um, you can tell that he's reveling in a little bit of anarchy. Um, which obviously the, the Pertwee era isn't particularly known for, being slightly more uh, formal with the, the unit set up. But Troughton just brings that element of anarchy to it, and he's absolutely having a ball. Um, and just mentioning the mentioning the Blu-ray and the First Doctor, there's a lovely wee Easter egg there that I think is, I don't know if it's meant to be as subtle as that, but when you run the, the home screen when it's showing you the console room, did you notice that there's Hartnell doing... The, doing a wee sort of pose on the, the TARDIS monitor. Lovely. It's a little, you know, it's, it's not it's not you know, flagged up as anything, but it's just a wee sign that's quite hidden away. I love it. Is, is that when he first appears? Uh, yeah, it's just or it's when, when he's doing the, the contact with his, his head. That's bowed, that but it's, the, it's, the it's menus, on the Blu-ray It's lovely. Blu -ray. All right. For me, when I watch this, I think of, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I'm reminded that for a 10th anniversary, um, you know, important episode, it was slightly less ambitious than I might have liked it to be. You know, we returned to the quarry. But also what I always think of is the missed opportunities. We, we didn't get Fraser Hines back, which is... Yeah. You know, the script was written for yeah. Fraser Hines rather yeah. than Benton in that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, the biggest disappointment, I have to say, is Hartnell. Of course, no, there is no fault of his own, but he was uh, uh, too unwell to do studio uh, recordings. Mm -hmm. And I just think, wouldn't how brilliant would it have been if Hartnell had been standing in the control room of with course. 
Pertwee and Troughton. And yeah, I mean, that, just... that would have been tremendous. I mean, if you know, yeah. Bill's probably my favourite doctor, and it would, and it's and it, it's nice to see him, but you're very aware that he's not well. And it would have been phenomenal. I mean, you can just imagine the conference, all three of them squaring up to Omega in the yeah. last episode. It would be amazing. It's, it's like a bit in the Five Doctors when there's this the scene where the four actors, albeit Richard Hundle instead of William Hartnell, yeah. and all four of them are standing together, united. And every time I see that, I just think, where was Tom? I know. You know, what a missed <laughs> opportunity that I know. Was. I mean, you could, there's, there's an awful lot of that. All of, you know, and I think some the multi-doctor stories seem to be affected by it, you know, more than anything else. Because obviously, Dave the Doctor, Chris Eccleston didn't want to come back. Yeah. They, they chose not to go with Paul McGann, and they brought in Sir John. And that, and you sort of think how much. I mean, Sir, Sir John was terrific, but if they got Eccles back, it would have been even better. You know, it, just, it would have been. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe we'll come back to do a special yeah. of, uh, multi-doctor episodes. Yeah, we could do. That the, the thing. The thing about Three Doctors that always sticks sticks for me, and I'm sure it'll be the same for you, Kenny, was that um, the first time I saw it was when it was repeated as part of the five faces of Doctor Who. Absolutely. And it was it was that was such a big deal because um, you know, I think I was what so it was what the tail end of nineteen eighty one, so it'd been about I was eight, so I'd never seen John as the Doctor before. John Pertwee's I knew but I knew him as Wurzel. So seeing the guy who played Wurzel Gummidge as Doctor Who was a was a revelation. It was fantastic. it was just oh, it was amazing. Again, that whole, as I mentioned earlier, like how um, I sort of it was the tail end of Legopolis that sort of switched me from being someone that watched it into becoming a fan. And the Five Doctors was, I think, for an awful lot of people about our age, Ken was a big deal for sort of you know making us fans. Yes, I mean, I remember um, actually missed episode four of the Three Doctors, but I missed episode four of every story in the Five really? Faces because I'd got to go to Cubs on a Thursday oh, at six no. o'clock. So <laughs> That's I was told to go, and I said I want to watch Doctor Who. My mum and dad said no. I had to go to Cubs and learn to tie knots. Dib dib dib. Dot, oh dot, no, left handed handshake. So, so does that mean that you didn't you didn't see the Three Doctors then reach those four episodes till they all come out in video or something like that? Or until I, until I joined. Um, fandom and uh, obviously there right. were copies of right. videos going and incidentally tom i have your birth episode now it sounds like i'm what? russell grant or some sort of astrologer um tom you were born two days before the roof of the world episode one of marco polo or if you prefer five days after the brink of disaster episode two of the edge of destruction that's not bad that was pretty cool yeah good stories i'll set i'll set for that what about the extras associated with that particular uh, adventure have you had a chance to look at them? I have indeed. I actually watched them the other day. I think the highlight of that is there's two obvious highlights. There's Behind the Sofa, uh, looking at the three doctors with Katie Manning, John Levine and Richard Franklin. And then there's Phil Collins and, and some other new series writers. Um, and they're always fantastic. Obviously, Goggle Box, although I do think they missed a chance. That should have been called Goggle Docs, but that's just, <laughs> well, I find that funny. Um, that's too close to Google Docs. Oh, that's true. Oh, don't want to share if I was that way. Um, the other highlight is looking for Lenny, which is all about ah, right. finding yes. about who was Lenny Main, the director of the story, of in which the wonderful Toby Haydock Toby, goes yeah. around and finds meets some of his people who knew him, who worked with him. There's a couple of surprise appearances in there, and um, I think we can talk about it now because they were asking people not to say when it first came out. So we get Bernard Cribbins, mm -hmm. uh, who's just fantastic. And then we end up meeting uh, some of Lenny's family. And it's really, really touching. Well, just nice. Really, really nicely done. Toby Haydock is just the king of these things. He's superb. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he did that one about um, Peter Newman for the Sensorites, and that was tremendous. That was really, really nice. Yeah. The way he empathises is incredible, and he's able to get get people to tell stories. Um, And it's a real skill, and anything with Toby's name on it is worth watching in my book. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's go on to the next episode, which is, I mean, which must surely be I mean, one of the all-time greats in terms of Absolutely. Doctor Who. I mean, and, and there are some people might argue this is where modern Who was born yes. um, with the Carnival of Monsters. Uh, and I remember seeing it at the time, but I remember being overly excited when Target brought out the novelisation. And I, yeah, I that's a well, cover. It's a brilliant, covers, brilliant novelisation. Yeah, it's excellent. It's so scary. Um, the dinosaur looming up. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, that was one of the first books I got, I remember. Yeah, yeah. It was quite an early one, I think. The actual story is just brilliant, brilliant. I, I mean, the fact you've got the grey-faced bureaucracy and they are grey-faced. Genius. Yeah. Absolute yeah. genius. But it, it's it's really good the way it's structured at the start because you've got all the stuff on Interminer happening and then you've got the Doctor and Joe landing on the ship and it takes a while before they tie them together. Yeah, that's you know, right. It's, it's really, really well done from that point of view. You've got the, the parallels that you can write, what? And of course, um, Ian Martyr. Yeah, that Ian Martyr. Now in action figure form as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also you also got a situation where there is a slave race being very badly treated by their overlords, and the Doctor does sod all to help them. Yes. Quite a, yeah, quite an interesting. Uh, it's very unusual for Doctor Who. Yeah, that's right. I, I, do you know what? I've never thought of that. <laughs> Because at first you think, oh, this is just a regime that the doctor's going to overthrow and he's and free all these slaves. But actually, all he does is end up sucking up to them. But that was kind of almost part of Pertwee's doctor's shtick because he, you know, sometimes he seemed a part of the establishment, especially when he was on his Earth based adventures. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's something that I've always found quite hard to reconcile in my head that the doctor is technically the ultimate anarchist. Yeah, he turns up, overthrows I, I, a society in a night, and then he becomes think, part of the establishment. He doesn't. I, I, he, no, but he doesn't. He doesn't really become. He doesn't really become part of the establishment. You have to. You have to sort of think about. He's. He's. He makes do with a situation that he's stuck in. You know, he's exiled to Earth, and and he he has to. He gets. You know, he acclimatizes. He gets used to it. I mean, you see what he's. You know. Well, you know, we're talking now about how he doesn't overthrow. Um, but you, you see him flicking. You know, peace signs in the next story in Frontier in Space. You know, he's um. I'm not a fan of this this thing that of you know the the this idea of the third doctor as the establishment doctor. Yeah. He's, he's 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 a political prisoner who um is stuck in a horrible. He enjoys going down the club with Tubby Rollins. Yeah, but he's he's saying he's that's him winding up the the stuffy bureaucracy man who's come in to you know to give the brigadier a hard time. You know, it's um. If you, if you watch all the stories in the through line, it's is the doctor's making the best of a bad situation he's found himself in, and he becomes comfortable and friends with the unit people, which is why when he gets the power to travel in time and space back in, he still keeps Earth as a base. You know, yeah. he's still they, they become his sort of fan. And I'm, I think yeah, it's I I don't I've never kind of really really bought into them as they, they st- he's making he's making the best of a bad situation. I think you're probably right. It's probably overblown in some respects, but I think if he's not part of the establishment, he's certainly quite comfortable with it by the time he gets his dematerialization circuit back. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, there's, there's the famous, there's famous bit, and I'm obviously you know, everyone always takes the mickey out of the bit in Day of the Daleks when he's enjoying the cheese and wine. 
And you That's think, right. yeah, of course he's going to do that. But I mean, it's the, I mean, but part, I mean, I'll, well, part of that I think obviously as well. It's you know, John Pettwee was always he always talked about how you know his BBC bosses sort of said, why don't you just play him as you? Yeah, yeah. So there's probably there's a bit of there's there's a there's a fair bit of 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 John's EP coming through at the same time. I think, which is quite funny. You know, it's quite charming. Yeah. You know, Kenny mentioned the, the the anarchic sort of qualities of the Second Doctor earlier on, and that that that's that's the other good thing about Three Doctors. It it does throw up the contrast that you know that John's is a lot more straight back, a lot more straightforward and serious. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And, and get getting getting back to Carnival of Monsters. I mean, I yes. know the Drashigs sometimes come in for a bit of criticism. Do they? Um, well, you know, I, usually... actually, as as I talk to you, mm. I've actually got a couple of the character options Drashigs uh, to my side, uh, and I've actually I'm now putting one in my hand. So I'm of course you are. <laughs> you yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> You'll hear the sound here. That's the Drashig on my hand. <laughs> oh, no. This, is, ter this is terrific radio, really. Is. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why you've got sound effects. Um, the thing that I, I quite like that um, years later, when Big Finish did one of their first Pertwee stories, they had a race called the Atto Eels. And right. Atto Eels, of course, is an anagram of tea towels. <laughs> that was a nice homage to Drashigs, which I That's really brilliant. found funny. Well, all I was going to say was that, uh, despite the criticism that most of the special effects got in those days, I actually can still look at the drash eggs and think, yeah, I can totally get why younger oh, yeah. kids are terrified. Yeah. Especially when they burst through the mud. <clears throat> yeah, that yeah. Was it. I remember when the, the five faces repeats were going on, and um, you know, everyone took you know, because th this was the thing. It was you know, at that point, it was an eight-year-old TV program, which was ancient to to us eight-year-olds. But you know, everyone was talking about it at school. Everyone watched the five faces repeats. It was like the, the dinosaurs coming up through the mud, I and mean, we just could not believe how good it was. You know, if, if, Doc, if Doctor Who is, is exciting an eight-year-old, that's when you know it's it's definitely sort of succeeding. I yeah, I agree. Kenny, tell us about the extras on this. Yes, and this one, there's not too many new extras from the DVD releases. It's again we have behind the sofa, and we get uh, Phil Collinson, obviously producer of Doctor Who. Uh, under the Russell T. Davis era, comes up with the wonderful revelation when he tells us that his first word was actually drashig, based <laughs> on the five faces repeats, which I think is lovely. How does he um, know? Does he remember? He does. <laughs> uh, so his mum tells him. Oh, um, okay. But I think it is really, really nice. There's, there's obviously the usual extra things that are on there, like yeah, there's production yeah. paperwork and scripts. But this is uh, the one with probably the least in terms of new features because of the special edition that they did for Carnival. And it is a superb release um, with, you know, the original extras like studio footage, the CSO demo, and of even course, yeah. the, the the early edit of episode two. So there's some right, really nice wee things in there. I think it's a fab package on a fantastic story. And I, I just absolutely adore Katie Manning in this one. Are there any extras on either of the DVD releases that are not available on this new box set? Not that I've noticed. Because I've uh, only got, you know, I've got the uh, the cheapo, uh, first, first, <laughs> the first edition of the DVD. Yep. I don't have the special edition. Once again, same with $3. No, it's, it's very much um, everything's there. They've, they've thrown the whole shebang at it, and it's a lovely package. I love the way they do the coming soon trailer, so they, they sort of bit by bit you get the next story trailer, which obviously yeah. when the, the DVDs were released in hodgepodge order, you get this added in. So it's really, really nice to have. Good. Right. Let's move swiftly on to yes. um, Frontier in Space because, I mean, I've got a lot of affection for this, 
partly because I just remember absolutely loving it in its first hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cliffhanger where the doctors uh, seems to be about to be suffocated on the moon base uh, was one that I talked very excitedly to all my yeah. friends. Uh, but also, it, I remember buying the novelization, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, we'll come on later on to talk about the the, the Doctor Who magazine special on the Target books. Yeah. But I remember for my thirteenth birthday, being given a, a sort of wad of cash by my mum, and I went up to Glasgow and I bought a number of books and one of them was Space War, the yeah. novelization. And I read it in one sitting. I think it was the only it was the first book I'd ever read in, in the first sitting. Yeah. And I just I, I've got so much love for this. And seeing it again after all these years didn't detract from it. I just thought this was space opera stuff that Doctor Who rarely got to do. It's, I think, I mean, certainly look at the model footage. It is brilliant. It's so lovely. It's really nicely done. Um, and have to, I think um, quite possibly, I think uh, Katie Manning looks at her best in this one with the black sort of space pajamas yeah. and the and the high, to, uh, the very very high um, converse as well, which they appear to be, which go all the way up to her knees. So maybe that says a lot about me. But um, I think she looks absolutely gorgeous in this superb performance yeah. as well. She, I mean, just the way that um, when she thinks the doctor's gone, she's superb. You can see why everybody loved Joe Grant. It's it's a story. I'm, I I remember getting the book quite early, but I don't think I ever actually read the novel. And it's a uh, it's a story that I kind of I can kind of take a leave from here in space. There's some really good. Roger Delgado's brilliant in it, and the last episode of the Daleks, you know, rocking up is really quite exciting. But it's a bit it's a bit of a you know it's a bit of a runaround. Yeah, some of the sex parts, you, you, you know, would if you you think if they maybe cut them down to four and just cut out a lot of those. You know the, the the escaping and getting captured again. They'd be, they'd be a lot better. That's I right. Think. I think that's the worst defender for that sort of stuff. Tell us about the special features, Kenny. Well, on this one, there are quite a few new ones, which are really good. As always, there is behind the sofa. We also get John Pertwee's introduction from the VHS release of the John Pertwee years. For those of you who had that, um, which was used to introduce episode six, I think it was. Yep. Um, back in the day and we also get some fantastic visual effects footage showing the model shots from this story and uh, how they were all put together and there's, there's some really really nice stuff in there which I really enjoy seeing I, even though it's silent film but it's still great to see the fact that it looks so good it's crazy that we've got this stuff really isn't it it's absolutely you incredible know, it's so far down the line that we can, you know, they've got that they have it's, it's when the tape spools turned up from the filming of the recording of Cause of Axos and Death of the Daleks you, know, you can actually watch them making it it's crazy yeah but let me it just shows you how far BBC have come as a child of the 70s who, who like every other fan bought the books because the BBC just point blank refused even to repeat anything yeah for us now to have access to all of this amazing behind the scenes stuff yeah. Is you know if you told us oh, that that would happen yeah. back in the seventies, we just wouldn't have believed you. I remember when when the BBC announced they were actually producing a documentary called Who's Doctor Who, yeah. which you can now get as a special edition in terms of Wang Chiang. Um, my friend at Bremen and I, who are both you know real massive Doctor Who fans, he wouldn't believe me at first when I told him that this was in the Radio <laughs> Times that this documentary about Doctor Who was coming on because we were just so used to the BBC completely ignoring us. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that must have been exciting because that obviously would have quite a lot of old clips and all that. That'd yeah, it's the first time we'd ever seen any of the black and white yeah. stuff. So, Planet of the Daleks mm-hmm. next. Planet of the Daleks. 
which I love. I mean, I have to. My favorite thing, and this is ridiculous. I know what you're, what you're going to say. <laughs> am I going to say? Am I going to say the words the supreme Dalek? Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. That's all right. <laughs> no, I said I said the supreme Dalek. I love the supreme Dalek in that story. Yeah, I think it's great, it's, the voice is different. His look is incredible, um, even though it's an eye for a torch. But I just think he's, he's superb, and he, he just adds a sort of a feeling of gravitas. The fact that things. And All the really, other Daleks look the same, but this it's, one is—it's it's almost, it's almost like a celebrity appearance, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly what it's and like. It's like a, here we go. There's a glorious little bit of incidental music when you see them that sounds a little bit like music from one. Like I think it's the first Dalek film. Yes, listen, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. goes bomb, 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 and you think, right, that has to be deliberate. Well, yeah. it's, it's it's from the Daleks invasion Earth, isn't it? From from the oh, movie. That's... Ah, you see, this is the. This is where we can mention the the Terry Nation Army videos that are on YouTube now because the whole episode. These are brilliant, phenomenal. I've them all twice. There's one dedicated to this prop and its origins. So I, th- I think are we right in saying? I can't remember. It was it a, was the the one the Daleks have been one of the ones that had actually been in the stage play, or was it one of the ones? It was one of the ones. This one had been in Doctor Who and the Curse or, or the Curse of the Daleks. Yeah, stage and play. it was it was refitted to be used during the, movie, the movie, and then it went into Terry Nation's collection, and was sort of and it was then rolled out to, to be used. I think that was the. Well, shall we shall we dispose of the slither in the room um, and <laughs> talk about what we're not talking about, which is the usual criticism of this, which is. This is essentially a remake of the mutants, the very first Dalek adventure. Yeah. Now, can I correct you there, Tom? It's to go with Doctor <laughs> Who magazine style. It's the mutants, <laughs> aka the Daleks. Close bracket. Aka the dead planet. Indeed. <laughs> I I just think. Um, is it though? Well, obviously, is it there's, some, there's, there's some truth in this, right? But it's overstated just a little bit because yeah. it is. You know, the the Dals are different. In fact, it's yeah. the first time we've seen the Thal since since the mutants yeah, ate the Daleks. That's right. Yeah. Um, and it is just such an exciting episode. It's I another one that works. It. It's another one that works really well individually. It's not another. It's, I mean, it's not. It's another one that, that kind of, you know, it's really proper sort of cliffhanger serial material. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially the cliffhanger that you didn't see coming, which was one of the Thals falling in love with Joe and asking her to come back to Scarrow with her, which you get absolutely no heads up about at all. There's no hint of that until it actually happened. And it's obviously setting up things for the Green Death as well. Which yeah, is really nice. yeah, well, see, that's that's what I was going to say. There's some really, really good stuff sort of seeded through, you know, because um, he offered, the Doctor offers Joe the, the chance to sort of go to Scarrow or just to go home and she wants to go home. There's, you get the feeling, I think it's in... You get a bit of it in Colony in Space as well that Joe's Joe's not into the the travelling thing, you know. She yeah. doesn't she doesn't want to go gallivanting around time and space. He has to talk her into going to Metabolus Three with him. Yeah, you, know? you can just tell from that from this point onward that what she really wants is uh, to settle down with a Welsh hippie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. You know, Pr- Professor Jones. I remember like how you know. Um, looking at photographs, and I think it was there was a photograph. I think in Doctor Who: A Celebration, with you know a little group shot from that photograph, and just thinking how ridiculous he looked. And that would have been about 1983 or 1984, but we were yeah. long hair. But you look at him now, and you think, yeah, he looks fine. Because <laughs> yeah. the other thing that's um, notable about this release is Episode Three, of course, which for oh. many of us 
is st- planet of, of planet Dalek. of the Daleks, which I still think of as black and white. Um, really? Having been having watched the story so often, and it always dropped to black and white, and then. We have this wonderful restoration because the original color work on it was fantastic mm-hmm. when they had the colorized version from America and they'd only just started getting the color restoration to work um, in terms of a process to repair the picture. But now what they've yeah. done with it is incredible. They've been have able they, to merge the two of them. Have they basically just done it again? Done from scratch, yep. Right. Wow. And they've created, the, there's the color restoration has come on leaps and bounds uh-huh. and that's the main source for this one. But they've added in some of the American colours just to try and grade the picture, make it just look a little yeah. better. But right. it just looks wonderful. And the, with the vid fire on it, you could swear it was the original videotape. It's yeah. incredible. Great. Any um, special um, features we should be looking out for? Uh, well, yes. This one has new CGI effects, which you can see uh, replacing the Dalek army, so you no longer uh-huh. see an army of Dennis of Fisher toys. Oh, right. All right. Okay. We also get um, some a replacement Dalek spaceship, so that the the upturned right. bin uh, <laughs> now looks really, really good and moves really well. Um, Does it still look yes. like an upturned bin? Or the, or it the still looks like an upturned bin. It's the same design, but just made right, to look okay. a bit better. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and there's also an optional 5.1 surround sound mix on all six episodes, which is rather nicely done as well. I can say that because I did watch it with the surround sound on, and then I promptly removed my surround sound system to tidy up my living room. So, yes, it does work, and it's rather good. We have to mention very quickly, though, Planet of the Daleks has that beautiful scene when the Doctor tells him what's his face to Thal about being brave. Yes, that is a lovely scene. Lovely. People quite often, you know, slag off Jonesy's moments of charm, but that one is, that was, I get goose pimples every time I watch yeah. that. Yeah. It's brilliant. No, I agree. Great scene. Right, let's talk Green Death and get your hankies out, folks. This is a, <laughs> this, is, this is the sad one, and I remember being sad at the time. I mean, it's such an amazingly moving scene at the end. Um, even, even surely for people who are not fans of Doctor Who would be moved by that, but that, that last scene. Um, absolutely and, and, and so iconic because I mean you know, people look at the Green Death you know even people who didn't watch the show at the time everyone remembers the maggots yes yeah. aye yeah that, I mean, that was another one that was another one of the, the first books that I read was, was the Green Death and it's um, aye it's, I mean, it's one of these in one of these ways you, you sort of think it's what Doctor Who should be about isn't it absolutely but it's yeah. also got one of the worst special effects in the show ever <laughs> the fly. <laughs> the fly's fine. No, not the fly. I think the fly gets a bad press. No, it's the miniature work when Bessie is coming R- through of course. the yes. slag heaps. Yes. And it is, it couldn't be more obvious that it is a toy. Yeah. That they're later going to give away with the, you know, with the, with the DVD. Box and you won't get Tom. Which I yeah. obviously wouldn't get unless I go into eBay and pay a bloody fortune. Because there's that, there's a really bad CSO shot of the Doctor, and Mr. Benson in the car, isn't it? And yes. The, yeah, which oh. is oh. I mean, how, what was your perception of that at the time? Can you remember? Did like did special effects like that? Did they jar or did you take it? They did because I was getting really? to the age at that point where, right. and you know what it's like as a Doctor Who fan, you start to get a little bit embarrassed about what yeah. other people watching it with you will yeah. think. Yeah, and I I remember my big brother laughing when the fly attacked, <laughs> and I got a bit annoyed at him, but at the same time <laughs> a bit embarrassed because I kind of knew he had a point. Yeah, um, yeah, I think. We've but, all, there we go. but they loved CSO, didn't they? They loved their CSO. Oh yeah, that was Barry. Barry was oh, the demon for it, wasn't he? Barry Letts. Barry, yeah. 
I mean, he used CSO in the most bizarre way sometimes. The CSO he, kitchen in Terror of the Autons, for that's example. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. There's no need for that, whatever. Yeah. Can they afford a kitchen? I mean, well, the flip side of it, it showed it showed the benefits, didn't it? Just that you know how much we don't have to build a set; we can just. Could they not have filmed it in a kitchen? I don't, I don't know. They could have done. Yeah. Yeah. The BBC canteen would have worked for me. Around well, Barry, Barry Letts' house, decked out with a camera, not told anyone. Yeah. Well, when it comes to season <laughs> eight, would that be? Yeah. Special features, Kenny. Well, there are. An abundance on this one, thanks to the Green Death Special Edition, which came out. So there's quite a few extras on there. Right. Um, one of the nice things is the audio commentary on episode six with Katie Manning and Russell T. Davis, which is done with so much love and affection. You can tell that Russell based so much of the Doctor Who revival on the Pertwee years with the Absolutely. returning to Earth with the family feel. Um, and yeah. particularly, the, I mean, the very last scene is um, you can see an awful lot of. Rose's last scene in there, when the Doctor in, in Green Death departs um, into the sunset, yeah. and he's obviously broken hearted. Whereas yeah. you get something similar with David Tennant at the end. Yeah. Of See, I'm, I'm not one of the, I'm not one of these. I'm I'm more one of these people that subscribes to the theory that the Doctor's really upset at losing his best pal. I'm not really into the the idea that the Doctor was in love with Joe or anything like well, that. I agree with that. What, what do you both What do you both think of that? I agree completely with that, Dave. Um, yeah. There was never, I don't think there was any hint at all of anything other than friendship between them. Uh, yeah. If anything, it, it went the other direction. I mean, remember that bit in The yes. Demons where yes. he behaved like an absolute, well, it's a family podcast. Yes. He didn't, he didn't behave well towards her at all. Yeah. And uh, no, I think it was, he just, he, he loved her, but yes. I think he wasn't in As a friend, her. without a yeah. doubt. yeah. But you can you can definitely I think you're right when you say it, it was it kind of went the other way because there is a bit when Joe talks about how Professor Jones reminds her of a sort of younger you. Yeah. So it's maybe you know it's the sort of thing. It, is there echoes of the the Martha Tenth Doctor relationship? You know, it's the sort of thing. If they were doing it now, they would maybe make that a little bit more implicit that she was maybe, you know, and you know had feelings for him, but he was completely unaware of it. You know, and then she but she meets someone who is can give her what she wants. I suppose that's probably what they would do, isn't it? I think it's one of the advantages back in the 70s of regularly casting a leading actor who was older mm. because you didn't have to worry about, yes. about you know, the possibility of chemistry with him and yes. his young assistant. And yes. nobody ever read that into it. But yes. obviously when they started making the Doctor younger, uh-huh. inevitably that became part of the story. Yeah. It would have been silly not to, though, because to, to have a younger, attractive man yeah, and for somebody not to recognise that, I think it would be it would have been crazy. Oh, yes, that would have been odd. It's very, very, but, clear, but, very well I'm done. Glad they avoided it in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think you know, as you say, Tom, chemistry is the word. If you get the chemistry right, you know, and and I think what's really good about the Perry era is it is impeccably cast. You know, all the regulars are are brilliant. You know, what I mean, yeah. and they all got they all get different things to do, and you know, they all get their own little you know bits and bobs, and yeah, and um. Katie's phenomenal in that story. She really is. Really, she's really heartbreakingly good. High and you know, she's um, and you know, it's see one thing that we didn't really talk about in Frontier in Space is obviously the scene when the master tries to hypnotise Joe and she shrugs it off. Yeah, that, that the growth character is developed, there. Yeah, she's developed since Terry Otto. So if you so. didn't know it, it's almost like her journey's complete because you consider that 
Exactly. How easily she was hypnotised in Terror of the yeah. Autons. Yeah. And then by the fact that in her, her third last story, she's able to stand up to this evil villain yeah. and he can't get his way anymore. Yeah. Great. Well, I think we've given a decent uh, amount of uh, time to the Season 10 box set, which I think is still available in the shops. It is. I was in HMV in East Kilbride, if anybody's still looking for one, yesterday. <laughs> well, if you're... Other shops are available. How much, to hurry. how much is it? How much is it? Is it, is it still forty-two ninety-nine? I think. Yeah, that's not bad. I'll think about it. <laughs> well, if you if you miss this opportunity and wait till it goes on eBay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, because season twelve goes for ridiculous money, doesn't it? Six hundred quid was the last that's, one I saw. Yeah. I mean, these Should people. Need, yeah, they're, they're, it's just absurd. I believe the BBC is going to release the season twelve one soon again, aren't they? That'd be good. That'd be good. The next thing I wanted us to talk about is one of the many and fairly regular specials that Doctor Who magazine produced. And yeah. and my eye was drawn to this immediately because on the cover it reproduces the fantastic Chris Achilleos cover of Doctor Who and the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, and I just think that is one of the best illustrations of it's any iconic. of the books. It's absolutely it, iconic. I was going I mean, to call love... it iconic, but I realise I've used the word iconic twice in this podcast already. So <laughs> That's ironic. For we, need, we need a swear jar for the word iconic. Cliché counter. Yeah. We, we, well, the jar would be full by the time we finish. <laughs> uh, so this is a, this is a special um, about the Target books. What are your thoughts on it, gentlemen? Oh, I mean, I think um, anybody who loves the Target books and grew up with them, this is just the most fantastic publication going. Wonderful. I, I mean, I just, um, as soon as I saw it was available, I was straight out to get it. Um, not that I ever delay my buying Doctor Who magazine, but this one is just a must-have purchase. There's so much variety. There's The content of it is superbly done. And um, the fact we're getting the synopses of the Lost Doctor Who Discovers books, these things are just fantastic. It's, I just cannot it, rave enough about this publication it, enough. It's it really, so good. It really reminded me of, um, I said this on Twitter, it just reminded me of a, a far simpler time when I was, you know, when I was eight, nine years old, first getting into Doctor Who. You know, there were no repeats, no video recorders. Just, and, you know, at that age, when I was reading everything and reading all the Doctor Who books and learning about the series history. And it, it really brought that home, you know, when, when, when you could count the number of doctors on one hand, <laughs> I mean, and you didn't have to worry about you know continuity. It was just open. It was all new, and it really, really captures that. What was your first target book? You go, Ken, because I'm never. I well, have to I think about this. Think, I, I had a good think about this because I thought you might ask this, and the first one I can definitely remember buying. I may have got others before this. Was Doctor Who and the Cybermen? Right. Or obviously the Moon Base, as we as we better know. But um, I remember getting that when I was in Port William in the south of Scotland on holiday with my parents, and uh, I was in, in the Isle of Whithorn, the place it's called, and getting it in the bookshop there. And they had quite a few Doctor Who books, so I had my pocket money or my holiday money, and I spent it buying Doctor Who books. Um, and that's the first one I definitely remember having. With right. the the invasion Cyberman on the cover. All right, cool. So, right, so it was before before the reprint sort of thing, right? Yes, oh. but that's the first one I definitely remember getting. The first the first ones my my head's it's, my head's not too clear on it, but I think my main the sort of first clear memory that I have is it must have been the Christmas after the Five Faces repeats, or really soon after 
Logopolis was sort of on. And we used to, because I'm from Paisley originally, and there used to be a bookshop in Paisley. It might still be there. I don't know. I don't think it is. Called McDougall Brothers. Uh, sadly, it's no longer there, it's but it's a great right. shop. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's where I got so many of my books. And, you know, and also my, my Ina Blyton books and my Alfred Hitchcock and Three Investigators and Hardy Boys books too. Um, I remember going in with a book token, which I'm, so I'm guessing it must have been Christmas 1981 and 10th Planet. Mask of Undragora and Armageddon Factor, believe it or not, because I was basically it was the Cybermen that convinced me to buy Tenth Planet, but the other two it was it was the lurid, exciting sort of titles that convinced me. I thought, oh, that's exciting. You know, that sounds brilliant. I'll get that one. Yep. What about you, Tom? Um, I was on holiday in summer '76. I just left primary seven, about to go into first year at school, right. and I stayed overnight with uh, my uncle and his family, and I, I slept in the same room with my cousin John. And I was just leafing through his, I just wanted something to read. And I didn't even know at that stage that there were such a thing as Doctor Who paperbacks. And he had uh, The Demons. Right. Um, and I read that and I hoovered that up. And, I just, and from that moment on, for the rest of the holiday, I was a pain in the backside to my parents because <laughs> all I wanted to do was go to a bookshop and see what other books were yeah. available. And the first one I actually bought with my own money was The Ice Warriors. Oh, great call. Um, but yeah. I also bought um, The Autumn Invasion during that mm-hmm. same holiday. Excellent. I don't think I've ever read The Ice Warriors. What? I, I reread oh. it recently. It's very good. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could go through and look at the shelf and pick out and say, right, because there's, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a fair few. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I'd probably... Hand in, hand in your um, your fandom membership, Mr. I was about to say, next episode, The Power <laughs> of Two. <laughs> um, no, because I say, I remember, like, I've never read never read The Zarbi, never read The Crusaders, never read Frontier in Space, didn't read The Ice Warriors, and I remember, I don't think I've ever actually read Mask of Mandragora, <laughs> despite well, I, being one of my first. Obviously, I would recommend you read all of them, but it's funny yeah. you mentioned Frontier in Space or The Space War, as it was called. Of course. Because it's markedly different from the television show. Right. Um, because at the end of it, the Doctor is not remotely injured and gets into yeah. the TARDIS and flies away. No. And there's no explanation because the, the, the next book, you know, Planet of the Alex, the Terms yeah. Next one, he is injured at the beginning yeah. of that. And if, if you're reading the books, you have no idea why. No. Am I right in thinking that, because I used to do this thing when I was a wee boy, when I would read the last couple of pages of a book and then read it from the beginning, and I remember, is there not a You're a monster. Piece? I know. Is there not a really nice little scene at the end of the space war for the for the master sort of packs his stuff away? Or yes, that's right. It's a bit philosophical, but the fact he hasn't won it this time. That's right. Yeah. There's, there's the really nice um, section in the DWM special about parallel lines, looking at yes. where aye, things diverge from the TV series, which is lovely. Yeah. Really nicely done. Yeah. Aye, because the um, that's got the stuff stuff that I'd completely forgotten about, like you know Alpha Centauri change color. I remember the, that with um, tentacles. And stuff, but tentacles also, people. It, it, put, it put me in mind of um, I think it all stuck in my head. During, during the 80s and 90s, when I started getting the Pertwee stories and video, was that um, all the really there was lots of little bits from the books that were missing. Yeah, that's like, right. there's a there's a bit of Daleks. There's a bit of Day in the Daleks when when Joe's talking to the, the controller and, and the TV show. She says that was a fabulous meal, and he says just a light snack. But in the book, Terence gives it. You know, Katie's inner monologue when she thinks how it was utterly, it was tasteless and really quite not very pleasant. But she's mm. she's she's having to keep him sweet, you know. Um, aye, there was the books were great for all those little little extra I mean, moments. Every time I see the covers, you know, it's the artwork that I just fell in love with. I think originally, yeah. Yeah. especially the Jessica Kelly stuff. 
Yeah, back in, I think it was for my 20th birthday, one of my friends did me a t-shirt with the Ice Warriors cover on it. He's obviously just scanned the book in and blown it up. Oh, oh. I loved that t-shirt. It was so lovely. <laughs> it's, such the, a, um, it's such a great painting, that as well, by Achilles. I mean, it's just... The covers, the covers are all the ones that... I mean, I always make jokes about my spectrum brain, but the covers are all really locked in my memory. Like, I remember, um, was it the Scholastic Book Club leaflets that used to come round? Yeah. You know, I was in the first couple of years of primary school, and I remember seeing the cover of The Horror of Fang Rock in that, and and remembering it from you know from TV, remembering the one of the lighthouse. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, I think that's my, probably my, maybe that's why, because I remember it so clearly, but that's, I think that's my favourite cover. Yeah. The Horror of Fang Rock, because it's just that brilliant picture of Tom. The road. Yeah, that is a great picture. And he's got a different hat on, and you can see the lighthouse in the background. Mm -hmm. It's stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any particular article? I mean, Kenny, I think you were interested in the Discovery series. Yes, that's the one, because I remember buying those. I think they were reduced in John Menzies and yeah, Robert. I was going to say exactly the same. I got a couple of them in John Menzies and Socky Hill Street, one about 1984, I think. Yeah, yeah. picking them up for English listeners, John Menzies was a popular chain of <laughs> news agents um, that for some reason we had to pronounce John Menzies rather than Mingus, yeah. which is the right way of pronouncing of it. Of course. And has now been displaced by W.H. Smith. Carry on. Yeah, because there, there was a W.H. Smith in Argyll Street and there was there was John the John Menzies in Socky. Yeah. Literally across the road, though. And was, there was a John Menzies in Argyll Street as well, that's right, because they, the they had the big toy and book section downstairs. Oh, Glasgow geography. Enjoying this one, listeners? <laughs> funny, funny enough, I, I, I mean, I think the whole edition is, is, a, is a terrific one, but it's funny you mentioned about the Discovery series because when I was leafing through it, I couldn't believe how much time they'd given, how much space they'd given over to the Age of Discovery. And when I was a kid, those were the books, because I was into Doctor Who, that I really had very little time for. I mean, I got the dinosaur right. book because it was a yeah. present from somebody. Yeah. And I didn't really pay too much attention because it was all real monsters and I wanted Doctor Who monsters. Yeah. yeah. And I and I'm not surprised, you know, that this, you know, Doctor Who discovers early man, Doctor Who discovers the conquerors. I'm not sure that even if these were produced, that how much of an audience. Yeah, I mean I remember we had a couple of them in the the, the school library when I was in primary school and in in that sort of, you know, late eighty one, early nineteen eighty two sort of like formative becoming a fan sort of period, like the, you know, reading them because it was there was nothing you took what you could get in those days. Obviously, you know, yeah. there was nothing else. And I had, a, I, had a, I think the only one I've got now is the um, whichever I think the was it the prehistoric animal, the one with the yellow border. That's one I can remember. Yeah, I think it's the only one I've got now. But I had a few of them. Basically, you got them just because the appetite for it's not like nowadays yeah. when they can watch every story on tap or there's all the big finish and all that. In those days, you took what you could get. The phrase you're looking for, David, is these young people, they don't know they're born. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> but no, I mean, a Doctor Who Discovers book, it was like Steely, they've got a Doctor Who Discovers books in the, in the school library. Brilliant. You know, and you would read, you would pick, you would look at the photographs of Tom and that would be it because, you know, as you say, they weren't, they weren't the Doctor Who monsters. The I think you're, just, you're forgetting the whole point of Doctor Who, though. You're forgetting the whole point of the educational aspect. I just cannot believe what Luddites you are, you science fiction <laughs> monsters. I sure. Well, see, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you can you can see how on paper someone would think it'd be a really good idea. You know. However, you're about to say the word but, and that's a problem. But, but you know, they, I mean, the, thing is, the other thing is, I remember it's running right at the same time at Scott. I remember being really interested in stuff like you know Greek mythology and all that sort of stuff. So the the one about mythical creatures was quite interesting. 
because they had stuff like stuff about the minute, you know, the Loch Ness monster and the Yeti and all that sort of stuff. And that I remember when I was up when I was a wee boy, really being interested in all that. Which is why when there was a Doctor Who book about you know Doctor Who and the Loch Ness monster, it seemed like the most obvious thing ever. Well, forgive me if I've missed this, right? But there seems to be a bit of a, a gap in this particular special. And forgive me if I have just maybe turned two pages at a time and missed it. But Target Books brought out a couple of books at the same time. And they, they, they sometimes promoted them in the back cover of Doctor Who books. And one was called Discovering UFOs. All right. And one was called Discovering God which was basically a kid's guide to world religions and the, and the philosophy behind them. And I didn't get the God one. A friend of mine did get the God one, and I got the UFO one, and they were brilliant. The, the, the UFO one was excellent. Yeah. But that was a Target publication, and it was kind of... I think, I think a lot of Doctor Who fans, collectors, would have automatically bought the UFO one anyway. But I was just a bit disappointed that that wasn't actually included in this. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the... um Because we, we, I remember... When we were talking about what we were going to talk about, we talked. You mentioned the um, the Target book that David J. Howe and his pals did a few yeah. years ago. That's got a fair bit of detail about some of the other Target books in it. It does indeed. You're right. Yeah, because I'm, I've got a copy of um, Abandoned. You know the one about the cat, the kitten. <laughs> that was a Target, but you know the, the photograph. I bought a copy of that years ago because it was oh Target book. Yep. <laughs> That's um, what I call completism. But I don't think I've got anything else. I didn't go and have a look. But I remember, um, I remember seeing that one. That was a school library sort of classic, you know, sort of staple as well. I've never read it. would have gone. <laughs> now, Kenny, you is it? Am I right in saying Jeff Cummins is a particular favourite of yours in terms of yes. the that was, that was was one of the ones I suggested. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that you did? I, I do like his work too. Yeah, because that's what I was saying about the horror fang, the cover of Horror Fang Rock. But I think so. Jeff, is that, would, would that be your favourite cover of of, your, of the Jeff Cummins ones? Yeah, I mean, I think the Jeff Cummins ones, Horror Fang Rock, definitely. But also the um, soft spot for the Three Doctors because that was one of the first ones yeah. that I got as well. His cover uh, of that. Was, now, which know, one? Because I got the well, original the, one with well, like the, the, the first um, the first reprint. Yeah. Of the one which, with the black hole in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was I don't amazing. have that. I mean, I, I read that book to death. And I got yeah, out, again another one of the really early ones because I, I've got. I, I, mean, I was saying about getting the tenth planet and all that, but I remember like, my, the first birthday after that, which probably would be my birthday in nineteen eighty-two. My my granny Bain, who you know, went above and beyond the Call of Duty. When you know, basically, I'd given this list of six or seven books that I wanted, and she got me them all. <laughs> wow. Three doctors. Three doctors was just like, because oh! of course we'd seen it on TV by that point, you know. So it was really really exciting to be yeah. able to read it again. I do love the cover that's been the one that was inspired by the Marvel comics. That's my favourite. Yeah, the Three Doctors, yeah, from from Galactus. Yes. Yeah, Galactus' yes. hands, yeah. Yeah. Because some of the, I think some of the, I think some of the other Achilles covers, I think some of the Daleks that he uses are lifted right out of the TV21 comic strip. Well, including so. the one that's on the cover, the one from the Daleks. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I would say it's an homage. It's well, I think the um, so I'm a very clever person. I think pointed out which ones it was from Day of the Daleks and managed to find the panels that he'd actually copied them from. But I think I think Chris's defence, he probably didn't have any reference material, and it, you know, yeah. but the the Kilios covers are just beautiful. I mean, the I remember like um, you know, before I became a Doctor Who fan, I remember seeing the books in shops, but also but also in the library, and the covers of stuff like the Cave Monsters and the Dinosaur Invasion. They're just so. I mean, Lurid's the only word for it, but you look at the cover of Dinosaur Invasion and it's just like, wow, 
Clark. It's just it's to Clark, indeed, he's genius. You know, yeah, I mean, it's just like oh, I mean, that's, they knew what they knew what they were doing, didn't they? When they were, you know, well, well it's funny you mentioned uh, the cave monsters, the covers, you know, uh, televised as Silurians. Because the Cave Monsters by Malcolm Hulk, I think, is probably the best of all of the paperbacks. Not just because it's got a lot of stuff in it that's not in the in the television series, mm-hmm. but um, the illustrations inside. Now there came a point when Target stopped doing illustrations, which was a shame. Yeah. But for the first dozen or so in the series, um, you got these weird, some of them pretty crappy illustrations from the books. Mm-hmm. from the, the TV series, and I just love them so much, and they've been re- reproduced in this special, which is terrific. The one I always remember is the one from um, The Autumn Invasion, when you see yeah. um, the Doctor standing in the doorway of the TARDIS. You know, from, ah, right. From, from, from Sam's like like, point of view. Um, yeah. I, was to say, I like things like in Day of the Daleks, you get the map in there. That's right, yeah. yeah. Well, and in the Cave Monsters, you get the diagram of where the laboratory is and where the Silurian living quarters are. You know, it's like in a 3D section of the mountain. Uh-huh. And it's right yes, at the very beginning of the book. It's fantastic. It shows a real, it shows a real level of care, and you know, on behalf of the people that are producing the books. You know what I mean? Especially, the yeah. they, weren't, they weren't, they weren't. You know, I think they were. It's probably safe to say they were churning them out about by the end of the seventies. But the first few, they were, they were making the effort to make them really just good. Absolutely books, right, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely right. So I just wanted to go back to the the special itself. Of There's course. two features in there that really stood out for me, apart from right. the Doctor discovers. I particularly liked. Doctor Who, et les éditions étrangères, yeah. um, looking at the foreign editions with some yeah, of the covers, which are just fantastic, including my favourite ever piece of Doctor Who art, which is on page 43 of the magazine. I have it here. Spearhead from Space with, um, with the Auton woman. It's a bit scary, Yeah. I think it's brilliant. You've got this um, Japanese-looking woman sort of drawn in that anime style. Yeah. Is it manga? whichever one's which, and um, she has, her arms have just disappeared just yeah. above the elbow. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, because you can see the sort of the bottom half of her behind her, and she's falling in front of the legs. Yeah, I like the, the Dalek Invasion of Earth one on the, the opposite page. That's just brilliant. It's like, you know, it's movie oh, quality. Yes. Yeah, it's a fantastic drawing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, my favourite one is in the, the page before that, which is the Brazilian version of Day of the Daleks, which they've rechristened... Um, the change of history, right? Yes, but the doctor in it, they clearly have decided that it should be a first doctor adventure, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, it looks like David Bradley, not William Hartnell. It, you know, it does, it does. It does, and it was published in 1975, yeah. yeah. But also, when you, if you're on that same page, if you look at the picture at the top with Igor Igrica Bogdanov presente. Doctor Who, Le Croix. I just love the expression in the Doctor's face, head and palm. It's like face palm invented yeah. before anybody else did it. Love yeah. it. But that um that that Bradley esque sort of cover. I mean, that's obviously someone has repainted. They've looked at the basic sort of um the Achilles one and had yeah. it go themselves, haven't they? And decided it, that they didn't want to get done for copyright. So yeah, it's slightly the, different. The um the one that Kenny sort of highlights here the um the the version of the Crusades. Of course, the Doctor's got a scarf on it and. I think in all of those sort of covers, irrespective of which doctor was in it, they've put a scarf on him. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it's the if you I don't know, I don't think it's in the book, but the one that, was, that I always remember is that the French cover 
for Brino Morbius because it looks like Paul McGann. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really does. I don't know if it's. I'm not sure where, it, where you'll be able to see it, but it's um. If you if you can find that, it just looks like it was total. You know, because length of hair, style of coat, that's Paul McGann. <laughs> they anticipated him. So anyway, the other feature I really sorry, I'm just Tom. The other feature I really enjoyed was what the fanzine said, where is is um where Alistair McGowan, who's a friend of Dave's and mine, um, has gone through some various fanzines in the time, and it very much reads like a points of view type piece with words of why or why or why, and it's so it's so brilliantly done. It's yeah, been yeah. done with um, Bervin Flair and some Milan, yeah, and it's, it's, it's. I'm not just saying that because Alistair's a mate, but it's really nicely done, and it's it's a good light-hearted piece. And just thinking, what were they thinking at the time? It's very, and it's also, very funny because you can see you can see like you know um you can Alistair he's quoted all these these people sort of you know losing their nut. <laughs> it, it's thing like there's about when he talks about someone talking about the gunfighters and he says um transforms what on screen was it unmitigated awful. <laughs> and it's like, no, <laughs> gunfighters is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, it's quite amusing. It's, it's interesting to sort of see now that, you know, what people's opinions were of stories. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Once upon a he's, time. he's done his research because he's, yeah. he's very much you know, got to fanzines from the time and, you know, the context yeah. is great. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. Well, the Doctor Who monthly Target Books special is, I hope, still available in the yep. shops. Price. I, think, I think it's, um, as we as I speak, for any Glasgow punters, it's still in Glasgow Central Station because I saw it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> £6.99, is that, is that value for money? Well, I think so, yeah. Oh. yeah. To be I, honest, I'd, I'd have paid double that because it's so yeah, enjoyable. I've read some of the pieces in there twice. There's, there's so, there's, you know, as they used to say about the TV Times, there's so much in it. I mean, it's lovely. Yeah. It's 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 nostalgic, but but it's a celebration as well. And it's yeah. nice to have people like Nigel Robinson and and Jeff Jeff um, Jeff Cummins and 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 what's the other guy's name that's kind of gone completely out of my head? Anthony Dry even talking about his covers for the new the new novelizations that came out last yes. year. You know, it's, there's um there's a lot of really good stuff in it. Okay, that's us covered uh, the season ten box set and the Target special from Doctor Who uh, magazine. I almost said Doctor Who monthly. That's how long I've been buying that particular. Uh, I'm magazine. tend to be of the official Doctor Who monthly. I'm sort of that uh, yes. issue ninety eight kind of era when I jumped on properly. Well, the third subject of three is well, what was going to be the the latest edition of Doctor Who magazine itself, but it's not technically the latest because I think 542 is now out, but I wanted to look at 541 with Patrick Troughton on the cover because it's the Christopher Barry special, or, or archive as it, as it describes it. Um, have you guys had a chance to have a look at this? Yeah, uh-huh. What do you think? Um, well, it's, I love Christopher Barry. He's, yeah. you know, he's, 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 you know, you see him in interviews on, on, on DVDs and what have you. And he's he's obviously a really good guy, and there's some there's some really 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 interesting stuff because obviously you know it's got the magazine. We'll see. There's um he he maintained a very good sort of personal archive, and you know his family have kind of provided you know DWM with quite a lot of really interesting stuff. The thing that the thing that I was really impressed with, the thing that got me the most, was the fact that there's a couple of photographs from the um the the out of the unknown version of the John Wyndham story, Random Quest. So yeah, bottom of page fifteen. There's Keith. There's Keith Barron, who is famous playing Bradley in the movie of the the Land of Time Forgot. Um, and there's there's Keith Barron in Random Quest, and it's like it's phenomenal. That's one of the episodes about the unknown that's missing. So it's great just to be able to see something from it. Well, very good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I thought 
that feature is fantastic. You know, quite often, you know, you think um, you see the, the Doctor Who closing credits, and you see obviously producer John Wiles or whoever it may be, director Christopher Barry, and then to actually be able to see this, to see how meticulous he was. Some of his casting lists are great. I mean, some of the names that he was under consideration, really, really fascinating to see. This is something that's always intrigued me since the publication of Doctor Who, the 80s, by how Stammers and Walker, when you see the people who were being considered to play the Castellan, and obviously we know it was played by... But no, it wasn't. I'm talking rubbish. It wasn't the Castellan. It was to play Commander Maxwell. And obviously we had Colin Baker, but one of the other names under consideration at the time was Pierce Brosnan. Wow. Just imagine if they'd swapped careers. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been something else. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the sort of thing. It's just these sort of things. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Pierce Brosnan is the doctor. (laughs) I mean, I think... You know, Chris Barry is clearly for for long term fans is one of the most popular, you know, favourite yeah. directors. Yeah. Probably um, second only to Douglas yeah. Scanfield. Even though I love Chris Barry's stuff, I was reminded looking through this that one of his stories was The Mutants. Now, yeah. the, the weird thing about The Mutants is, I mean, I started watching Doctor Who regularly and passionately from the very beginning of the Perry era with Spear from Space. Mm-hmm. All the way through, ever since. And yet, I have absolutely no recollection of anything in the mutants. And I don't, I, I, could, I wasn't ill, I, I, I wasn't right. on holiday, you know, six episodes or whatever. Uh-huh. I, and I watched it just recently because I was, you know, in, in my great marathon. Not yeah. a single scene looked remotely familiar. That's and I just find that very odd. And it is a very, very poor program it's a very poor adventure i think it's, it's probably the weakest of all of Perry's. yeah i mean i'm i'm a, as i say i'm a massive Perry fan i'm a massive fan of his era um and one, one thing i hope we can we can talk about is the is the, the interview with jonesy that's in the, the social magazine but even i will admit that the mutants is a bit of a slog <laughs> but some of the special i mean the the magazine highlights that all the work they had to do to to do sort of Kai's transformation towards the end of part six. Yeah. It, it, it does drag. Oh, there's always context. There's always reason why yeah. this or that effect or scene doesn't seem to work. But Chris Barry seemed to get around that a lot of the time. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the story think... for the demons wasn't watertight, but he still produced an incredibly memorable adventure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think he because he'd worked in Doctor Who from the very start, uh, doing the mutants open brackets, aka the Daleks close brackets, the dead planet. At least, uh, <laughs> some of those episodes, um, he knew how to work with a very tight budget, and obviously Doctor's budget would have increased over the years. Yeah. But he knew how to get the best out, and he always get great cast. And you just yeah. think, um, looking through his episodes, it's a real shame that we can't have power his version of it. We get those wee yeah. clips, mm-hmm. but we just can't see the full version of the power it's, of Daleks. It says, it says so much about him that they got him in to make. To you know, to, to to make power of the Daleks because they knew how important it was. It was it was get get someone that knows it because we we, we want to launch Patrick Trout in the best way we possibly can. And of course, they got him back for Tom Baker's first story as well. Yeah, you know, it's like we need we, we need a safe pair of hands. I'm I'm, I'm not going to say safe pair of hands because that's a wee bit sort of detrimental. But we need someone who's going to that's that knows it inside out, but is also yeah. going to give it his best. You know, absolutely. And, and I think that's I think that's the. You know, we, I don't want to, I don't want to name names, but you get the impression watching some of the older stories that some directors were almost f- sort of phoning it in or just not really bothering. But Barry's one of these guys; you can tell he was considered. 
about how he went about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. One of my uh, other favorite features in this issue, I'd say, is the the John Pertwee interview. It's great when yes. you know these old lost interviews from years gone by show up and obviously they've transcribed his first convention appearance. And there's a line in there that actually had me laughing out loud. Um, obviously, this is from 1977, and uh, people are saying to John, um, do you still get recognised as the doctor? Um, and he says, I did think that after maybe a year, people would have forgotten all about me as Doctor Who, but they haven't. It's still exactly the same. In fact, the other day, it's very funny. Tom Baker and I were both appearing in Burton and Trent. He was appearing in a cricket match, giving out prizes. And I was appearing in something else. We had about 12,000 people turn out, and it was even Stevens between us, which I think is so Pertwee. It's yes. very much, um, I am the doctor, and I'm as popular as whoever's the current doctor. And, thing. Yes. That's brilliant. You, you and that made the, me laugh out loud. You do get the impression that there was a, a bit of, and, I've, and I've, I've heard, I won't name names, I've heard this from, from other people, that, that, that John was maybe a little bit, if he had a bit of a rivalry with Tom. Very much you know, so. He was he he was kind of je- not, I don't know if jealous is the word, but you know Tom. They were both very successful, but you know Tom was just and maybe in some ways just a, a little bit more as far as the viewing figures and all that. So, and I think you know Jonesy sort of resented it. Maybe he sort of felt well, you know, what about me? There's an yeah, interesting, think, there's an interesting speaks, thing. Uh, sorry, so I was just going to say I think that speaks yeah. to the fact that when Pertwee left, he wasn't a hundred percent sure he was making the right decision. I mean, I think. Yeah. He was he was open to being persuaded, probably yeah. financially, to do yeah. a sixth season. Yeah. And and they weren't going to play that game, so so he left. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like he, he decided, no, this is enough for me. Yeah. I think so, it's also it's also worth pointing out as well that um, you know, before John took over, they they they, were, they had thought about cancelling it. You know, we know yeah. well, they, they they made the the program with Robert Hardy as a potential pilot to sort of replace it, and Johnsy kind of definitely he was a big part of turning it around. Absolutely. You know, he definitely, season seven in Pertwee is absolutely he's phenomenal. He's, I mean, he's so different. It, beca- it became quite fashionable for a while to be quite dismissive of him. You know, certain areas of fandom in the 90s sort of let you know, say that often. In some ways, I, th- I think he's kind of overlooked in a lot of ways now because, you know, if you cast your mind back to the um, the 50th anniversary when that was going on, there was a biopic about William Hartnell. Um, there was the Trouton episodes that had been recovered that were put out on DVD. Tom Baker appeared in the anniversary episode. Peter Collin and Sylvester and Paul McGann, obviously, they all appeared in the, the Five-ish Doctors reboot. Um, McGann did the Night of the Doctor when the red button and you know absolutely blew everyone's minds. Eccles was conspicuous by his absence. And we got a new Doctor in the shape of um, of John Hart, the cameo from Peter Capaldi, obviously, and, of course, David Tennant came back. But for Jonesy, that year, there was nothing, you know? So it's... it's I always felt he's, he's kind of overlooked a little bit these days. And... Um, it's nice that the magazine is sort of, especially because the issue before this one was, was all about the third doctor. It's nice that they're giving them his due. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's great that I they keep there's... finding these old, those old interviews because a few yeah. years ago, Doctor Who magazine published a very long interview uh, towards the end of his life and uh, they carried over two consecutive issues. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I loved it. And I have never, I've, I'm a big fan of Ian Fleming and James Bond. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, I have a connection with the Labour Party as well. And I read this anecdote from Pertwee saying that during the war, he worked briefly for naval intelligence. Yes. For Ian Fleming, and and used to make the tea. And the other officer <laughs> in the office was a young Jim Callaghan. Brilliant. Wow. Now, 
So you've got Ian Fleming, future Labour Prime Minister and a future doctor in one room. Yeah. I have never seen anyone <laughs> substantiate this or whether he's yeah. just making it all up. But yeah. it's a brilliant, have, brilliant story. Yeah, have you have you ever read um Moon Boots and Dinner Suits? No, I've not. John's John's autobiography. See, I read that and it's 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 compelling. It's fun. I mean he had such as you say, like you don't know how much you how much of whatever the stories he tells were completely true. He was he, a superb raconteur. He had some life, you know, he really did. You know what I mean? He, um, you know, well, he, he was my doctor. You know, he was yeah. the doctor that, you know, was re- reigning when I first yes. got to the show. Yes. So for me, that's that. Like, everyone has their own doctor. Yeah. It might not be your favourite doctor, but it's the doctor that you were introduced uh-huh. to the programme through. Uh-huh. And for me, that was Pertwee. And I had a privilege of meeting Sean Pertwee and telling him that. Brilliant. Um, during the 50th anniversaries. Excellent. Excellent. OK. Well, listen, gentlemen, unless you've anything else to say about Doctor Who magazine this year, do we? Well, listen, I, 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 just, to... I wanted to very quickly point out the brilliant sort of, um, for the, any comic fans that we might have that, that are not listening, um, I just want to point out the, the really obvious, brilliant Jack Kirby-influenced stylings and some of the characters in the comic strip that look, you know, as if they've walked out issues of... of the Eternals or issues of Thor. There's some really, yeah, really nice stuff. They, the, 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 those Gorgeous. characters on the first page. Um, yeah. Very they're, they're, they're beautiful. And I, as, a, as a comic geek, as much as a Doctor Who geek, I like that sort of stuff. It's nice to see that. Oh, we must talk comics at some point. We should, yeah. Shall, Next right? time there's a Doctor Who comics compilation out, perhaps. There's a DWM Capaldi final compilation out, I believe, soon. If it's not already out, it's on my okay. Christmas list. Yeah, let's, put, <laughs> let's put it on the list to discuss. Cool. Yep. Well, look. Also, I, before we go, I'd like yeah. to know what's the first thing you read in DWM each issue. For me, oh, okay. I, do you know what? I really should read the news first, but every time I always skip to read the reviews of what they've said about big finish stuff. Right. I I read. Um, I look at. I look to see what the little joke is at the bottom of the the publisher's statement. <laughs> That's, That's about third on my list. And then I then I read. Um, I read. Is it Beyond the Tardis? The little fe- the feature they do about people yeah. in the program. I'm not yeah. sure if they're going to keep doing that now that, that we've lost Dominic May, but that, that was always my, my sort of first read just to see what everyone's up to. Yeah. Yep. And I usually just go straight to the, the news and also the blog of Doom. Um, yes. <laughs> at the back. Yes. Um, but actually, the order that I read it in is generally dictated by the content. If there's yeah. something you know particular that I, I want to read, I'll go straight to it. Yeah, I mean, some. T- I mean, I haven't read the the yeah, I haven't read the fact of fiction in the latest in the issue that we're discussing. Basically, because I'm not too fond of those episodes, so that that'll be an influence as well. Yeah. Well, funny enough, my a uh, couple of years ago, uh, what year is this? Nineteen. So about. F- Gosh, but five years ago, my uh, my dad died, and and we cleared out the house. And about six months later, my big brother came to the house with his wife, carrying a plastic bag of stuff that he'd cleared out of the attic. Right. And among them was an almost pristine condition of Doctor Who Weekly number one. Lovely. Wow. Which I That's forgot. So nice. uh, I didn't even know it still existed. And you remember buying it? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. There we are. Mine's the transfer, sadly. That was, that was the obvious next question. Did it have the transfers? No, I did not. Transfers. Do, do they, still, they probably still, still don't make them, or make them anymore, do they? Kids mm, nowadays, they could have. Won't not give them my transfers. <laughs> right. That's 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 thanks, for, uh, thanks for dialing in, guys. Thank you for taking part in this first Power of Three podcast. Um, if you've listened to this and you like it, uh, please let us know on our Twitter feed. That's 
uh, Twitter at Power of Three uh, Pod, Power of Three Pod, with three being the number, and uh, check back on Facebook. Do a search for us on Facebook, and hopefully we'll have the page up very soon. Don't know when the next podcast will come out, but we will try to organise it as quickly as possible. Because frankly, as you guys know, there's so much stuff to talk about. Um, so from me and from the former Liberal leader, David Steele. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and from Kenny. These Dubai. are the Dubai three calls. in power saying cheerio from the power of three. See you next time. Au revoir.